TV is like the one thing I don't track. Like I track the books that I read and I track the movies that I watch. Yeah, I have a hard time tracking music, but at least like Spotify, between Spotify and iTunes, I can kind of cobble together what I did. We need Letterboxd for TV. Hello, and welcome to Did You Do Your Homework, the pop culture podcast connecting academic ideas to popular media. I am one of your two co-hosts, Pete Romberg, and today I am slowly, I guess, starting to get into the Christmas spirit. Um, Been listening to some Christmas music, mostly the indie hipster stuff, uh, but you know, some of the traditional stuff as well, and got to rewatch Elf this weekend, one of the easily top 10 best Christmas movies, and one of the great modern Christmas movies. Now, joining me, as always, is my fellow co-host. Uh, Martha Sullivan, certified senior citizen wrangler. Oh. Also, it's a it's a good thing that you're getting into the Christmas spirit, considering it is two weeks away. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, I am a firm <laughs> Christmas is not allowed to start until Black Friday. Uh, and I'm certainly less of a humbug than I have been you know, when I was younger. But I've never been one to go all in on the Christmas festivities, holiday music, all the rest of it. Um, but, you know, this year is is this year. So uh, <laughs> here we are. Like, it's, people, it feels great to have a bunch of lights up enjoy inside. The things, let people enjoy the things that make them happy. Oh, yeah, 100%. This year I did not give anyone flack for putting up decorations before Black Friday, um, except for stores, because, you know, Knock that off. Uh, but if individuals want to do it, that's that was a-okay this year. Um, well, so this episode, we are going to be talking about works that uh, we are calling have been produced by COVID. These are works that only, possibly only would have existed and certainly only would have existed as successfully as they did uh, during this uh, time of, you know, pandemic quarantine terribleness. Uh, but before we get into that, it's only fair that we share with you what is stuck in our heads. That's whatever piece of pop culture we just want to talk about, uh, right now. So, uh, Martha, what is stuck in your head? Um, I love Christmas and I start enjoying Christmas things whenever I want to. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> as, as long as it's after Black Friday, that's great. <laughs> <laughs> this normally, year this year normally it is normally normally i like to wait and give thanksgiving its due but this year uh the rules were different because yes. i couldn't do thanksgiving yes um and my husband's rule is even more rigid than that he does not start engaging in festivities until december 3rd for what he calls three weeks of concentrated merriment why um, the third? Because it's three weeks from Christmas Eve. Huh. Okay. <laughs> why is that? Uh, why is that hard for you? <laughs> uh, honestly, because I'm not looking at a calendar, and I couldn't do twenty-one plus three. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say. Uh, if I'd um, been looking at a calendar, that would have made a lot more sense to me much more quickly. <laughs> But anyway, all of this is to say is that I have been engaging with holiday music and holiday film and holiday media for mm, a month now. Mm -hmm. I cannot be stopped. I will not be stopped. Uh, my All About is an animated movie that came out on Netflix last year called Klaus, which was written and directed by Sergio Pablos and Carlos Martinez Lopez. It stars Jason Schwartzman, J.K. Simmons, Rashida Jones, Will Sasso, uh, it's incredible. Oh. It's about this uh, wealthy, um, privileged boy from a uh, like a ruling family who um, goes through he goes through officer training to become a postman because he thinks it's going to be a blow off job that he can just like coast through life in. Mm hmm. Until his dad is like, actually, you're going to take this seriously. And if you don't, I'm cutting you off and sends him to be the postman in this northern sort of vaguely Slavic town 
um, that is home to two families that have been sort of at war for generations. Is this like a vaguely medieval setting or like a 19th century situation? No, it's it's more Victorian. Okay. Um, But he says, deliver a thousand letters in a year or I'm disowning you. So Jason Schwartzman, who plays the lead character, has to figure out how to get a working post office up and running in this tiny little crap hole town. And what ends up happening is he um, kind of crosses paths with this old herm- or this large hermetic man in the woods who has a bunch of toys lying around that he has made and they start delivering them to children. Mm. And Jason Schwartzman tells the children, every time you write a letter, he will bring you a toy. And it's low key about, it's a fictitious version of how the myth of Santa Claus kind of grew Mm -hmm. out of all of these different parts. It is totally charming. The animation is gorgeous. It it sounds like Um, Santa Claus meets Terry Pratchett's going postal. A little bit, a little bit. Um, that sounds but anyway, great. It's, yeah, it's lovely. I'm obsessed with it. I'm telling everybody to watch it. It's like 90 <clears> minutes and it's on Netflix. Is it Klaus um, uh, C-L-A-U-S uh, or K-L-A-U-S? I could see that going either way. K-L-A-U-S, oh, yes. okay, okay. Um, but yeah, it's just lovely. Nice. And I'm, I'm only really consuming things right now that make me happy. Mm-hmm. Um and this this movie made me really happy. Oh, nice. Yeah, uh that I am adding that right now to my movie um in the last couple of weeks uh I've started a shared Google Doc with my wife to um put movies that we want to watch on because it is the perpetual like battle/problem of like what are we going to watch tonight? And then like you wanted to watch a movie but you forgot you did and and all the rest of it. Um what used to be the blockbuster problem of just wandering through the shelves in the aisles for two hours, not picking a movie has now become the Netflix, Hulu, HBO problem of the same thing. So having a, having a a doc with that information on it is very useful. Yeah. As long as we're still in holiday movies, this isn't my all about, I'm just sneaking it in as a recommendation for the two of you Mm -hmm. put jingle jangle on that list. Also jingle jangle. Yes, that is another Netflix Christmas movie. It is a musical um, that stars Forrest Whitaker and Keegan-Michael Key and is very um, the whiz by way of Christmas. Huh, interesting. It's delightful. All right, well, that that uh, got added to the list. Uh, I, I will say that Muppet Christmas Carol, now that we've watched Elf, Muppet Christmas Carol is high on the list for uh, things to be watching. Um, didn't you guys watch that the other day though no we watched that last year i i don't know if marin watched him up a christmas carol the other day i haven't yet so <laughs> oh i thought i thought sorry i didn't mean to <laughs> she's been watching this behind my back <laughs> didn't mean to cause strife i have a friend who basically once thanksgiving is over just has a muppet christmas carol playing basically continuously in the background fair um, my favorite Twitter joke, and it's it's barely a joke, uh, is treating the Muppet Christmas Carol like the canonical version of Christmas Carol. So things like, um, like I oh we we think uh, Scrooge only had one employee of Bob Cratchit. Like no, obviously he had Bob Cratchit and three mice. Uh, those were his employees. Does he only have one employee in the book? Um, that's what someone on Twitter was arguing until they were you know proven wrong because he also employs mice. Or rats. They're rats. Listen, I have to read this book out loud on Facebook Live starting on Thursday, so the more I can know about it in advance, the better. Uh, I was going to say, um, if you want help with that, I love A Christmas Carol, and I would happily read some stuff, but also uh, probably not for your library situation. I was going to say, that would kind of defeat the purpose of having a read-along with a librarian, but I appreciate the offer. I can lie to people and say that I'm a librarian. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But would definitely defeat the purpose. Um, What's stuck in your head, Pete? So what's stuck in my head this week is uh, Taylor Swift has graced us with not one, but two quarantine albums. Uh, Folklore dropped a couple months ago. I'm not even going to try to guess how many months ago it was, because time has no meaning this year. Um, 
and was fantastic it and was incredible. At least, it was at least three. It was probably more like four because I was still working at Geneva. At the minimum, the first time I listened to it, it came out before August. Okay, but you yes. know, maybe June could also have been May or July. Eh? Okay, that that half of the year. Time has no meaning. Precisely. Uh, Carry she's, on. <laughs> she's got a new album out, Evermore. It's very much the uh, sibling album to Folklore. Same kind of sound, which makes sense because it was also produced uh, by Aaron Desner and Jack Antonoff, who produced uh, Folklore with her. Um, Aaron Desner is uh, best known as one of the members of The National, and also works with Justin Vernon and Bon Iver for the Eau Claire Film Fest, or uh, the Eau Claire Music Festival. Um, and they're bringing in a bunch of fun guests. They've got The National uh, coming in um, uh, for one of the songs. Uh, Matt Berenger's uh, beautiful baritone kicking in is a real nice touch to that song. Uh, bon Iver shows up again on the very last track. Instead of doing his deep voice like he did on Exile, he's singing in a falsetto. Uh, you got Haim showing up to do a country murder ballad, which is friggin' awesome. Um, the love album, that. yeah, the album is lovely. Uh, if you liked folklore, you'll love this. It's very similar, um, and I haven't listened to it enough to like dissect it enough uh, to really like pick out details or differences between the two. But if you want to think of it as just one long album, both dealing, I I I read a good thing that. Folklore was sort of a fall autumnal album, and Evermore is like more of a wintry album, and I think that's a pretty good analysis of the two. They're definitely companion pieces, but they're dealing with slightly different feels and themes and ideas. I'm into it. Yeah, uh, I, I know you haven't listened I loved to it yet. Folklore. I just right. haven't listened to Evermore yet. Right. Um, yeah, uh, apparently Marcus Mumford shows up to do some background vocals on one of the songs <gasps> in this. Uh, I'll be honest, I did not know that until looking at the, the wiki right now. Like I could not pick up his, uh, his voice. Um, yeah. So there we go. So we are going to be talking about media produced by COVID things that could not possibly have existed without, um, you know, this horrible year of quarantine. Uh, but before we get into all that, we're going to take a quick break. So stick around and we'll be right back. are back so we're looking at a pair of i guess movies certainly filmed events um that were created in a covid world so the um both filmed events were designed around the limitations of a lockdown and a quarantine and we're using the language that at this point we are all painfully familiar with and slightly tired of the zoom call um we're going to start by talking about the, well, everything is 2020, so the 2020 horror film Host, uh, which was distributed on Shudder and maybe produced by it. I'm not quite sure on that one. Yes. Okay. Uh, and then we'll be looking at um, the cast re uh, script reading of The Princess Bride uh, put on by the Wisconsin Dems in Act Blue as a fundraising event back in September. Uh, but we're going to start off with Host, so Martha, take it away. Yeah, so Host came out in August of this year. It was uh, directed by Rob Savage and stars Haley Bishop, Gemma Moore, Emma Louise Webb, Radina Drandova, Carolyn Ward, and um, Salen Baxter. I who are did all not realize they were using their own names. <laughs> I was going to say, they are all playing fictionalized versions of themselves. Um, and this movie, so I was reading a little bit about this movie, which the, I guess I should tell, give a little quickie synopsis first. Um, basically six friends get together on zoom to have a seance and accidentally, uh, 
summon a real demon who uh, terrorizes them for the duration of a free Zoom call. (laughs) Um, This movie was conceived by Rob Savage on a Zoom call with his friends, with these friends, um, wherein he had just recently moved into a new apartment and kept hearing strange noises in the attic above his bedroom. And he pranked his friends by on a zoom call saying, Hey guys, I'm going to go investigate this noise that's happening in my attic. Can I like, can you guys be here for moral support and filmed like filmed it. And then cut when he goes up into his attic, he cuts in a scene from the horror movie wreck. So it looks like a zombie (laughs) leaps out of his attic and attacks him. Was that like the very last scene of host? Where uh, spoilers, but also do your homework. Um, like the very last scene of Host was it's, a proper jump scare of like, blah. It is more, yeah. It is more similar. It's like that crossed with the scene where one of them goes, like, goes to investigate her attic. Right. Um. But yeah. So he cut that together, released it on Twitter. That went viral, and then he was like, "I bet I could make an entire movie like this." Shopped it around to some places and basically Shudder was like, yeah, we'll help you fund this. Um, <laughs> we we think you can do this movie with $15,000? <laughs> about. Well, and I was reading, I read an interview with him from Rolling Stone where he was like, yeah, I ended up on Shudder because they were the only people that really understood what I was kind of trying to do. Like, I wanted to keep it in zoom i had no idea how long it was going to be so shutter wrote like they, he had a deal with shutter to make a movie that would be somewhere between half an hour and two hours oh, good lord <laughs> and then they basically they created the movie as they went um so like they they did it all in zoom because this happened during the pandemic so none of them could be in the same room he had one stunt guy who every time they needed a stunt to happen who was playing the the demon Mm -hmm. he would have this like the stunt guy's mom was filming him on his phone in parts of his house that looked convincingly enough like parts of the other people's houses oh my god so that it could get cut together (laughs) like the whole thing sounds very film school, but also I think that the end result is extremely effective. It was a like it's clear that they shot it on Zoom because all the problems that come up with Zoom calls happen on this. Um, the person with the yes. bad audio connection, the person with the echoing thing because you have to mute yourself or whatever. The like when the volume gets too loud, it all gets scratchy and you can't hear what's going on, and and people talking over each other is just impossible to decipher. It. It felt so much like our lived experiences for the past nine months, which was both great for the verisimilitude and also frustrating because I'm like, I don't want to watch a movie of what I'm having to experience all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I will tell you, one of the things that I found very affecting was because at this point we all have like ad nauseum experience being on Zoom, that it really... the the way that it's filmed like in front of your zoom screen made me as the viewer feel like it was a call that I was on. Yes. Yes, definitely. Which ends up making a lot of the horror elements feel much more immediate because mm-hmm. it's like, Oh no, I'm watching this happen to people in a world that I'm part of. Right? Is it in my house too? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, yeah, I thought, did you, did you like it? I did. Um, I, Part of the reason I liked it is that it was 50 minutes long, uh, which was very clever in the sense of, like, especially hearing that he had a contract for 30 minutes to two hours. I'm glad that eventually he settled on, or or they, I don't know, who all was part of the, you know, collaborative process, um, settled on the length of a free Zoom call. Because I think any longer, and it would have been difficult to sustain. Um, but having that, like... It's not an artificial cutoff, but like having that verisimilitude cutoff, I thought was really effective. 
Yeah, I mean, I honestly, I don't know that this could have gone longer. I, I believe him when he was like, when he says, you know, I, did, I didn't know what length was going to be an effective mm-hmm. length. Um, but it does end up feeling very appropriate because I think like 40 minutes or whatever is how long you can have a Zoom call with a certain number of people if you have a free account. Yeah, and I think this was 50, which, like, that's close enough. You know, I'll give it to him. <laughs> uh, well, I think the movie is 80. No, the movie's is like... 50? It's like 50. Uh, I know, okay. I know, because when I pulled it up on Shutter, I uh, did a little fist bump to myself, or, you know, a, a heck yeah fist, uh, seeing that it, was o- <laughs> that it was only 50 minutes. <laughs> nice. Um... But yeah, like that's that that's a perfect like it tells the story it needs to tell and then it gets out of its own way. And then we, the viewers who are used to 40, 45 minute Zoom calls are like, ah, yes, that felt like what a free Zoom call length would be um, to, to sort of like, as you were saying, reinforce that sense of like, oh, I'm on this call, too. Um, I appreciated also that it was British. Uh, that was just kind of fun. You know, give me some good British accents any day. Uh, by the the my sense of it, it seemed like one of the friends was American and the rest were all British. But I don't know. I, I I'm not sure how much that matters. Oh, it does not matter at all. But it was you know nice to hear some fun British accents. Sure. <laughs> um. So in terms of our kind of large scale questions. Based on how we know that Savage, like, conceived of and constructed this movie, I don't think it would have, I don't think the, I I don't think it would have occurred to him in the form that it occurred to him in, were it not for the pandemic. Like, I, I feel like this movie is a product of how culturally tired we all are of Zoom meetings um it is important i think that it is not that it clearly is taking place during the pandemic but is not about the pandemic yes i i was very glad to hear them all saying things like oh my dad is so naughty he's like going out during lockdown it's like ah great we are perfectly and like uh, when one of the women at the end like tries to run away she grabs a mask um like yes. it, it it all is very perfectly uh, frozen in time for this particular moment. But also because it is not precisely about COVID, I I almost feel like it, even though it couldn't exist without COVID, it's not about that. It's about more of like the isolation that we've all been feeling in lockdown. It does make me wonder if it has more staying power than if it had specifically been like like um, it like if it were like a contagion style movie yeah rather than a demonic possession style movie right um i definitely like the idea of we're gonna do a, a ouija board horror movie uh over zoom um i think that's very clever similarly i agree with you completely that the particulars of this would not have happened without the pandemic i could see someone coming up with an idea of friends doing a seance over some video calls but it would not have been zoom like it would have been facetime or something um because i think zoom is such a part of of like covid interaction in a way that it like no one talked about zoom ever outside of work you know, in, in pre-COVID times, if you were going to video chat with someone, you'd use something else. Um, and so, like, like the, the, the specificness of Zoom, I think, makes it very much part of COVID. I think you're right. The part of it is about the, like, the isolation and the fact that this is how we are interacting now. Um, and you have, uh, what's his name? Rob or Teddy? For some reason, well, I've... Teddy is this. Teddy is the terrible friend. Yes, yeah. Then or that's the friend who... with the terrible girlfriend. Right. Then that's what I'm thinking of. Like his whole situation, where like he is staying at his girlfriend's uh, parents' house, which is like some mansion out in the middle of like some burbs somewhere outside London. I'm sure. Um, and it's like a super McMansion type situation. Like he would not have been there outside of a, a you know they've decided to lock down together 
type of situation. Um, and so, like, there are so many moments of this movie that are so specific to this past year. But, as you say, the actual crux of the movie is just your classic Ouija board movie. Um, or, like, any sort of seance movie, which I think is nice. It's a, it's, it's a nice breath of fresh air. But it also does provide limitations for the characters where, like, they can't as easily leave and run to someone else's house or run to safety because there's that lingering threat of, like, well, there's a lockdown, too, so that's going on. Yeah, it it is also, it is an interesting take on the Ouija board, um, like, conceit, and also, um... Also an interesting take on the haunted house trope. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I like just the the technical issues, the idea of like the medium is not able to help them because her internet goes down, uh, I thought was yes. very <laughs> like that's a very clever way around the like the problem of like, well, why doesn't she just fix this or guide them through it? It's like, well, because you know, she's up in the Hebrides or whatever she and her internet crapped out. Um, I also enjoyed all of the little techie glitches that were um, like interpreted as paranormal events. Like at one point, one of them has like I can't. I, I think it was like a candlelight reflection on her screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that she's like, "Ooh, what is this?" I'm like, it, "It's your, it's your candle." <laughs> well, <laughs> but and- the way that it's getting reflected and then pictured back at her, like through the camera, the, the- it, it really felt like savage took advantage of like the limitations and also um the possibilities of this as a format yeah like i was gonna say the flip side is also true like when when there's the mask covering in the air um, oh oh my god i I didn't like that part i mean (laughs) i mean i didn't like it but i loved it at the same time and part of that was that like I love how initially they were like, turn your filter off. Like, you've got some stupid Instagram filter on, turn it off. And it's like, no, that's not what this is. But it looked like a stupid Instagram filter. And one of the things that I found to be the creepiest is one of them makes herself a background that is a recording (laughs) of herself. Yeah. So that she will feel less lonely. And then once she dies, the background continues to play. Yeah. So it's this weird, like, digital specter of that, her that, that was continues to exist. Such a clever idea, especially because, like, as she's getting murdered by the spirit, sh- her bloody face is interrupting that background of normalcy. Yeah. Um, I I thought that was such a brilliant idea, uh, especially because, like, we've all seen the the various gifts or videos or people who have done it of like, you know, you're in a meeting and and the door opens and it's you being like, oh, okay, and shuts the door. Uh, you know, like that that went viral before this movie came out. So the idea that other people would do things like that. And then it leads to like horror <laughs> um, is is very cool. So much of this was in conversation with like the memes and the culture that has come out of the past year. Yes. Um, I was just going to say that I put that that was the moment from this movie that I picked for my um, hundred scariest moments list. Where she's getting um, killed and and disrupting her own background or just the background continuing after she's already died. Both. Mm, Okay. Like that, just that whole sequence. Yeah. 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 Although it also could have gone, it also could have gone to the mask hovering in the, air or when she one of the girls throws a sheet over nothing mm-hmm. but it is something the, the oh, i'm i'm getting hysterical thinking about it. <laughs> um the effects in this movie were really good and some of them are like very basic it's like oh no a chair is wobbling like yeah we like they knew how to make chairs wobbles in movies like in the 1920s but still like it works it's really effective there's a ghost in that chair, obviously. Well, because if you think about it, it all had to be able, all of the effects in this movie had to be able to be done by these people alone in their houses. Yeah. Like, it's not like they were getting production assistance from a studio or anything. Right. And like some of it is CGI, of course, but 
you know, it didn't the fact that it's all over zoom means that the image quality is somewhat lower so you can get away with a lot more like low quality cgi because it's being filtered through like a low quality web cam you know which Which also made a lot of it very creepy to me yeah um like playing i think very hard on that like technical glitches mean that there are ghosts around right and and the flip side of like oh that looks a little wonky it's like well that's that's because it's filtered through a webcam and there's some technical glitches like so it's 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 very forgiving um kind of in the same way that Blair Witch was and like this is also a quote unquote found film or found media kind of movie so it's it's certainly in the family of of Blair Witch style movies um that's actually that's an interesting question i had not been thinking about this as kin to a found footage movie but it mm. it is isn't it yeah i i would say it absolutely is i mean it doesn't have the like six millennials were never found <laughs> all that we could recover was this recorded cloud storage zoom meeting right and i i think that's because whether intentionally or not it's it's doing what you were saying made it so effective which is that it it immediately puts you the viewer as sort of one of the participants um and if they had had that stinger card at the beginning you would not feel that way necessarily Mm -hmm. no i really think that we are all meant to feel as though we are all we are on the call with everybody yeah yeah um i literally just learned yesterday that you can mute or like turn off your own image of yourself uh so i'm interpreting the movie do you as... mean like turn off your camera um turn it off such that you don't see yourself anymore but everyone else still does oh i no, i don't like that because <laughs> you want to be able to see how distracting you look to everyone else all the time yes i yeah, need I mean... to know that i don't look like a fool uh, first off hard agree and i will never use this feature but second off, um, useful to know the feature exists. And third off, helps increase the verisimilitude of this movie uh, because I can just think, ah, yes, that's what I've done. I, like a fool, have turned off my own uh, camera view screen, so I don't know what I look like. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anything else we want to talk about this or should we segue into the next homework? Let's move on. All right. Uh, so I assigned the admittedly somewhat challenging to watch, uh, possibly, um, fundraising event put on by the Wisconsin Democrats in conjunction with Act Blue uh, on September 4th, 2020. Um, nope, that's a lie. On September 12th, 2020, uh, they got the entire cast of The Princess Bride, barring a couple people who either died, R.I.P. Andre the Giant, uh, had aged out of the roles and also went crazy, uh, R.I.P. Fred Savage, um, to reprise their their roles as uh, in a script reading of The Princess Bride. Uh, they also have Did Rod- Fred Savage go crazy? I think he's a Republican. Well. Uh, which at this point is one and the same. Yeah. I'm going to double going. check that though before i you know i'm looking it up you keep going okay great um uh so that means that we had uh carrie elwes robin wright carol kane chris anderson mandy patinkin uh the menchiest mensch uh wallace sean bill crystal and rob reiner uh who's the director showing up uh we had finn wolfhard uh as the kid um we had uh who did andre the giant gad josh gad josh gad josh gad um there was a Q&A session afterwards hosted by Patton Oswalt um and they raised a bunch of money and it must have worked because Wisconsin went blue uh thankfully so um I watched this when it was originally being broadcast uh cuz I live in Wisconsin and so therefore had double incentive to uh sign up and watch it um, Martha, were you able to watch it? Was it an easy process? Uh, I was a little bit squeamish I... on suggesting this one because I wasn't sure how easy it would be to watch now in December. No, I could watch it. I had to give Act Blue some money, but okay. okay. 
Yeah, right. Um, I gave them five dollars. I said, "This is worth five dollars." Yeah, to uh, me. go go put this money to Georgia. Um, yeah, I mean, we both seen Princess Bride an uncountable number of times. It's a great film. It was that, uh, but the um, stars were in their various houses in Zoom windows. Uh, for me, I loved the actors who were very into it. Uh, Mandy Patinkin and uh, Billy Crystal, I think, were the standouts in this. Um, but also it was a little bit wonky and it had some technical issues and it had, you know... Uh, Everyone was clearly committed, but without that immediacy of watching the action, it certainly was a different experience than watching the movie. Um, what was your take on it? I thought it was cute. I was proud of them for doing it as a fundraiser. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, In general, I'm kind of cold on the whole idea of these table reads. Mm-hmm. Like... I, I think I find the idea and the fact of their existence more interesting than I do actually watching them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know like, that I'm the... glad it exists. I don't know that I needed to watch it, but I'm glad that it happened and that other people take joy from it existing. <laughs> sure, and, and hopefully gave money. Um, uh, we say this, uh, or we're talking about this a few days after the Georgia Democrats had a similar situation with Elf. Um, where they had the whole cast of Elf do a, a table read of that. Um, the Wisconsin Dems put on like six or seven other movie table reads over the course of the campaign cycle. Um, they pulled in, I think, a bunch of money from it, uh, got a bunch of actors to do this, because what else are the actors doing? Uh, and it was easy to do because it's like you can just do it from your home. It'll take you three hours, you know, call it your civic contribution and go from there. Um, so the, in that sense, I think this was very much a, a COVID kind of situation where it's like all these actors are currently not doing anything um, or, you know, not not working nearly as much as they otherwise would be. We're all used to Zoom situations, uh, so it's easy to sort of corral everyone that way. Um, many of these actors and, and, you know, Rob Reiner and all the rest are looking to do what they can vis-a-vis uh, -vis the election because it's on top of everything else 2020 gave us it was also an election year um which did not cause any additional stress or problems um and and i think the viewer base was also there in a way that it would not have been without covid um you know why would i have watched this when i could have gone to a movie theater and seen a movie uh back in september but i couldn't so i might as well do this Oh, yeah. Like I said, I I am glad that this exists. I don't think it's for me. Mm -hmm. um, I think I would rather have just given Act Blue five dollars and then watched The Princess Bride. <laughs> uh, did you watch the Q&A afterwards? No, okay. I didn't. It okay. was the whole thing was three hours long. And after a while, I was like, <laughs> I can't anymore. <laughs> I don't watch real movies that are three hours long. <laughs> Yeah, that's fair. Um, I, the Q and A was cute, you know, because it's it's all all these aging actors, uh, reminiscing about their times on set or just talking about you know whatever they want to be talking about at the time. Um, Billy Crystal, and Mandy Patinkin, and Rob Reiner were the the standouts of the Q and A section. Um, Mandy Patinkin especially gave an amazing. Um, subtweet i mean can you subtweet someone when you're verbally talking uh if so yes, he it's did called, it's called shade mm, great then he threw uh yeah okay duh. uh he threw all of the shade at ted cruz who um mm, either ted cruz or marco rubio they're basically the same person one of them is the zodiac killer uh the other wants to be um but Ooh. one of them one of them <laughs> tweeted that uh is like, oh, The Princess Bride is my favorite movie, and it's so sad that all these, you know, liberal Democrats in Hollywood are doing liberal Democrat stuff, so I'll never watch that movie again. And Mandy Patinkin was, gave a, a, a sort of speech of, if you watch The Princess Bride, 
and you love it as much as you say you do, and you end up supporting this bozo in the White House, uh, you clearly did not understand the movie The Princess Bride. Um, he was Correct. much more eloquent and impassioned about it than I was just then. So I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. Did you watch the Quibi clip that I sent you? Oh, no, shoot. I did not. Okay. Uh, also, so I did not Quibi... realize it was a Quibi clip. Um, yes. Am I Quibi still able to watch it? <laughs> it's on YouTube. Yeah. Is this um, quick bite still but... available for me? Yeah. One of the one of the Quibi um, projects was a home movies version of The Princess Bride in 15 minute segments. Oh. And I, I, is, I've heard about this. Is, it is actually genius um, because it is filmed like by celebrities on their smartphones in their backyards it, it is, while uh... they are all in quarantine. <laughs> so like the costumes are whatever they own in their houses. Yeah. Doesn't like, and... isn't like Rashida Jones in it? I'm about to read you. I'm about to read you some right, of the excellent. cast. Excellent. So playing the grandson we have Josh Gad, McKenna Grace, Keith Williams, Logan Kim, Joey King, Rob Reiner, and Fred Savage, who oh. the internet cannot seem to agree on whether or not he is a conservative, which tells me that if he is, he has at least not shown his entire ass about it. Sure, fair enough. Um, uh, the and, grandfather. And, and, hold on, and there's all these roles because each of the 15-minute clips is a different person, right? Like, that's, that's sort Within of how it works. Within each of the 15 minute clips, you get three or four people playing oh, every role. Oh, my God. OK. <laughs> oh, yes. The I think the clip that I sent you is the face off between Wesley and Inigo. Sure. Or Inigo. Yeah. And Classic. yeah, within that, you get like four different pairs of people playing Inigo and <laughs> Wesley. So like one person just says uh, like, ah, but I am not left handed. And a different person says, you know the very the, the next line yes okay well like it, it doesn't change it doesn't change like mid line right um, but they do some sword fighting and then yes yeah <laughs> uh the grandfather played by rob reiner jk simmons giancarlo esposito oh. sarah silverman robert wool adam sandler and carl rayner whoa uh wesley Played by Chris Pine, Common, Sam Rockwell, Neil Patrick Harris, Sophie Turner, David Spade, John Hamm, Caitlin Deaver, Brandon Ruth, Courtney Ford, Tommy Dewey, Taika Waititi, Christopher Mintz-Plass, Jack Black, Lucas Hedges, Paul Rudd, and Carrie Elwes. Oh my lord. <laughs> Princess Buttercup, played by Tiffany Haddish, Penelope Cruz, Jennifer Garner, Leslie Bibb, Bib, David Burka, Annabelle Wallace, Zoe Saldana, Joe Jonas, Mackenzie Davis, Kimberly Brooke, Zazie Beats, Alice Oswalt, Brandon Ruth, Courtney Ford, Zoe Deutsch, Jenna Ortega, and <laughs> Beanie Feldstein. Oh, Robin Wright didn't show off. Oh, that's a shame. Um, Princess, is, or, uh, sorry? Uh, sorry, was this, um, is this connected to or the same thing as, I know that uh, Sophie Turner and I want to say whatever Jonas she's married to did a Joe Jonas uh, did a gender swapped um, as you wish scene I think yes uh, what was this for the Quibi or was this a different thing yes I it, think it's I think it's for the Quibi thing okay okay um Prince Humperdinck Hugh Jackman Thomas oh. Lennon Penelope Cruz Elijah Wood Jose Andres Don Johnson Ernie Hudson Dennis Haysbert. James Vanderbeek, David Oyelowo, <laughs> and Carrie Ellis. <laughs> oh. And then I'm just going to do two more because otherwise we could do this all day. Right. And, and also, um, like, I'm taking so much enjoyment for from each one of these casting lists. <laughs> yes. Uh, Inigo Montoya, Diego Luna, Oscar mm. Nunez, Finn Wolfhard, Javier Bardem, Keegan-Michael Key, Nick Kroll, Sarah Cooper, Catherine Reitman, John Cho, Natalie Morales, and Pedro Pascal. Both Pedro Pascal and Diego Luna would be perfect if they ever, Lord forbid they ever do, foolishly make a remake of uh, Princess Bride. Um, I lied. I'm actually going to do two more because I'm going to read you both Fezzik and Vizzini. Great. Uh, Fezzik, Dave Bautista, Brian Baumgartner, oh, Nick that's Kroll, perfect. Shaquille O'Neal, oh, Catherine Brightman, Zoe Deutsch, Craig Robinson, Charlize Theron, and Jason Siegel. <laughs> Um, for a hot second, I thought you were going to say Jason Schwartzman, which would have been 
hilarious as Fezzik. I'm actually, I'm actually kind of surprised that he doesn't show up in this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he'd be a good um, uh, six fingered man. Count Rugen. Yeah, yeah. Um, Brian Cranston shows up as Count Rugen. Oh, that's good. That's good. Yep. But yeah, and Vizzini, the important one here is Patton Oswalt. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, like legally obligated. <laughs> <laughs> but also Angela Kinsey, Nick Kroll, Rain Wilson, and King Bach. Like it is, yeah, uh-huh. it is madcap and insane. Um, well, I know what I'll yeah, be doing once this recording is done. <laughs> the things that people use in the sword fighting scene as swords is hilarious. Well, and I, I can't imagine that they're in the same place together. So we're just cross cutting between no, like one person swings down and the other person like cut blocks. Well, there's at least one part where Diego Luna, I think Diego Luna is holding an umbrella. Fantastic. And um, I think Josh Gad is playing. um, Wesley. Wesley at this point. Um, But yeah, Diego Luna is wielding an umbrella. And whenever the camera is on Josh Gad, whoever he is fighting on the other side of the camera does not have an umbrella. so it's just it's very inventive it's very insane i found it much more i found it much more fun to watch because it is by its nature more dynamic than a table read like yeah the the problem with a table read is the most exciting thing you're going to have going is when um uh uh mandy patinkin holds up the actual sword in front of the camera reverently as he's talking about how his father made this sword um but that's basically it. So yeah, I'm glad it exists. I'm glad it raised the money. I was happy to pay for it. I've I have missed most of the table reads during the pandemic because they're just not that exciting for me. Yeah. Um, um but I would like to hear from you why you think the table read has become such a thing. Like we've a lot of casts have been reuniting for these. So I think it's a Over couple. Over the course of the pandemic, it's a couple reasons. Um, the first is that, uh, in the same way that right now, um, I guess not right now, it's December, but like in the same way that during the summertime, um, drive-in movie theaters had a huge boot, uh, like boost, and they were all playing old like '80s and '90s movies, right? You know, like you could go see Jurassic Park or ET or whatever um, at at drive-in movie theaters uh, and it's because new movies are not coming out but we still want to go to movies but we can't but we can be in a car uh and so we want to just watch movies um lord knows the very first thing i'm gonna do after i get uh you know my covid vaccine is go to see a movie go whatever movie, movie does theater. not matter what the movie is anything <laughs> yeah anything literally anything except tenant i'm not gonna go see Tenet. oh no i'd go see tenant in a heartbeat i'm i really want to see it um I mean, let's be honest. Dude, it's going to be Dune. I didn't tell Christopher Nolan was a jerk about it. Yeah, I mean, that's colored things in some ways I don't want to get into. Um, so, so I think part of it is our collective... There was a collective resurgence in... I don't want to say older films or retro films, but like films from the 80s and 90s, right? Um, things that they knew would draw crowds, families, and millennials, and and... Everyone, uh, you know, everyone wants to go see Jurassic Park on a big screen, because why wouldn't you? Um, same with this. Most of the movies that they're picking are sort of millennial and Gen X staples, like Fast Times at Ridgemont High, I think, was one of them. Um, Princess Bride. Real crowd pleasers from a couple decades ago. Um, so, like, those... And then also we, have, also we have Scott Pilgrim versus The World. Oh, yeah, that's true. I guess that's for the millennials. That's still 10 years old. Um, or more. Um, the other thing, like the other side of it is that you can get these casts together in a meaningful way. Um, it would be impossible to get Carrie Elwes, Robin Wright, Mandy Patinkin, Wallace Shawn, Bill Crystal, Rob Reiner, Chris Randon, all in a room together. Um, what with everyone's schedules and all the rest of it, but you can easily do it over Zoom, especially when they're not working in the sense in the same way that they normally would be, because the film industry has slowed down so dramatically. Not that it's stopped, and it's definitely still 
you know, doing some some work and some content, but it's it's way less than it was before. So these are people who have time that they might not have otherwise had, and you don't have to fly out to New York or L.A. to do this. You can do it from your bedroom. Um, and as I said, like during the election cycle, I think a lot of people were trying to do anything in their power to get out the vote, raise money, do whatever they could to ensure that Trump was not reelected. And so it's an easy pitch to someone like uh, any of the actors in this movie where it's like, hey, do you want to spend three hours reading a script from a movie you did 30 years ago? Um, and it will raise money for a cause you agree with in a particularly targeted state that, like, you know, you might live in New York or, or L.A. or anywhere else, but, like, you'll be benefiting Wisconsin, which is an actual swing state, um, and it'll take all of three hours of your life. You already have a Zoom camera and some headphones because that's how we've been conducting all of our interactions, so it's it's low, like, low-cost for the performers, which makes it easy to get the entire cast, um, combined with the fact that we, the audience, are starved for new content. Uh, we're not doing anything else on a Sunday night because there's nothing else to do. So yeah, might as well throw some money Act Blue's way and, uh, you know, watch, watch the older version of actors that we like doing a movie that we like. Um, or, or in your as... case, throw some money Act Blue's way and then not watch them do this and instead watch the actual Princess Bride. <laughs> <laughs> do we think that as a medium, this has staying power? Like, do we think that when we are through COVID, this will have legs at all? I would bet that they will keep trying to do it, and I would bet that the impact will be less. Um, I don't... Like... When I when I watched this back in September, I had a fun time. It was great. It was nice. But would I choose this over, like, going to a friend's house for dinner? No. Would I choose this over going to a movie in a movie theater? No. Um, because I had almost no other option, this was great. And it was new content. Um, and it's like, yeah, I'm going to donate to the Wisdoms and to ActBlue anyway. So I would throw them, you know, some money and then not watch their thing and instead do something else um so like i i could see it i could see them still trying to do it but i don't think it will have the the same impact um especially because it like until 20 like let's be honest presidential elections get people psyched every other election nobody cares about um maybe that won't be true going in uh, going forward uh you know hopefully but realistically I, speaking no one's gonna you know like i don't think we'd get the entire cast of any movie back together for the 2022 house elections i think we will <laughs> i think that your your um, lips to god's ears so like that would be great Yeah, i think that there is enough for people to be worried about in 2022 that it'll still be it'll be a big deal like 2018 was a big deal and it'll especially be a big deal if um the Georgia elections go south in January. Right. Yeah. And and you know, like like I'd said earlier, uh, they just did an elf table read with the whole cast there for Georgia. Um, I did not do that because, as you said, the table reads are fun, but they're not as fun as actually watching the movie. So instead, I watched Elf and donated to the Georgia campaigns. Um, good for you. I'm writing postcards. Oh, good for you. That's probably more important than donating. Um, no, I think I think equal. money is a. Well, they're, they're both important. Money is always helpful, <laughs> right? But you know, man, manpower, uh, person power is also very critical. Anyway, uh, now now that I've thrown out my uh, shoulder, patting us both on the back. Um, <laughs> uh, I I I I don't think this has legs in a meaningful way, but I could see it being something that various you know state parties or, or the DCCC will continue to do going forward, especially if they can do it in like a low cost kind of way. You know, like someone like Rob Reiner, he basically came to them and was like, what can I do to help? And they're like, oh, can you get the whole cast of, uh, you know, of Princess Bride together to do a table read for free? And he's like, yeah. And then he did. 
Um, so, you know, it's, if, if it's a sort of thing where it's like, we can do this for basically no money and get some money out of it, then yeah, they'll keep doing it. But I don't see it being as, um, like, as effective as it was. Sure. All right, well, anything else we want to be talking about? kind of tapped out on yeah. this one i think yeah i i think that's good well i think that's gonna do it for this episode uh thank you all so much for listening um we are obviously continuing into pandemic times but uh next episode we are going to be looking back on this horrible year certainly a year that is now almost over and trying to think about the top tens of it. Um, uh, both Martha and I will be compiling our top ten lists. We're going to be trying to keep these only to media that came out in this year 2020. Uh, that's a lot more challenging than it usually would be in, in other years because, wow, did a lot less movies come out, for example. Um, but that's that's our goal is to have it be top tens, no repeats, only 2020. We'll see if we can do it. Oh, are we not doing repeats? I feel like we should maybe not have the same things on our lists. Okay, that just hasn't been a rule before. Hasn't it? I feel like we've... We have definitely shared... I mean, when we did our top ten movies of the decade, we both had Black Panther on our list. Oh, that's fair, that's fair. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, we'll see. Maybe some repeats will show up. Uh, (laughs) My concern is that they're so... Not that there's so little media out, but like we're both gonna have Animal Crossing on the list, and you know. I was just about to say <laughs> you just made it a race to see who could put Animal Crossing in the Google Doc first. I mean, we both know Animal Crossing is the number one media of the year because it's how we got through it. Um, so yeah, uh, all of the all of the game of the year lists are gonna make me play Hades just because Hades has everybody has been everybody's goatee, and. Well, you're, I haven't played it yet. You're not allowed to play it until next episode because I've got that spot on lockdown on my list. So <laughs> I'm still not. I'm still not convinced I'm gonna like it. I I've learned recently there's a mode that you can set on which is like easy mode. I I also recently learned that, which was <laughs> the first time I was like, well, okay, maybe. Right. <laughs> like, uh, twist my arm. <laughs> um. All right, well, uh, possibly we'll have no repeats. Uh, We'll see. Uh, (laughs) That's for you, the listener, to find out by listening next time. Meanwhile, as you already know, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, anywhere else fine podcasts are found. Uh, Use whatever podcatcher you want to find us. You're already doing it. And make sure that you like and subscribe and tell other people about it. Uh, You can also rate and review. Um, but part of your homework, as always, is to tell other people about the show. You can follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at DYDYHpodcast, and you can follow us on Facebook, if you're still on Facebook for whatever reason, by searching for Did You Do Your Homework or Homework Podcast. Uh, both of those will get you to our page. You can email us at show at homeworkpodcast.com. Let us know what you think. Give us suggestions for future uh, topics or homeworks. Uh, uh, every Anything else you want to email us about. Martha, what are you plugging? Um, you can follow me online at all the places at Magical Martha. Um, you can read my newsletter, which is tinyletter.com backslash Magical Martha. Um, I haven't posted a lot since I finished my 100 Scariest Movie Moments, although for a while there I was posting quite a bit. And to be fair, you finished Um, your 100 Scariest Movie Moments around Thanksgiving, so, like, this was... And and that's not to drag you, that's more just to say that, like, it's... You've been posting a lot recently. Yeah, it was... I was like, I can do an issue a day for 10 days and end this on Halloween. No, that was... Foolhardy. Um, but you can also listen to the other podcast that I do with Pete's wife Marin, where we watch a rom com or a teen movie and we talk about it. That one's called Love Ya and releases on this same feed on alternating Wednesdays from Did You Do Your Homework? We are in full on holiday mode right now. We just watched Happiest Season. 
We are watching the Dash and Lily miniseries for our next episode. And then I think the episode after that, Sneak Peek, is going to be the Holidate. So mm, I was we uh, are... wondering when that one was going to make an appearance. Yes, we <laughs> that... are all Christmas all the time. Yeah, that, that one was a uh, not if but when uh, situation. Uh, well, you can follow me on Twitter at Pico3000, P-I-K-O-3000, where I'm talking politics and pop culture and, you know, shed aquarium penguins looking at other penguins throughout the world and dogs and all the fun stuff. Wellington turned 33 this oh, week. He's older than me. By a couple months. Cold. By a couple months. That was months. cold. Nah, I mean, is it? He's... I'm older than Wellington. Yeah, but like Wellington was would have been my year in school, which I did not realize and is that's insane. That's adorable. <laughs> oh, oh, that's great. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Uh, if you're not following the Shed Aquarium, definitely go do that to go celebrate some penguin birthdays. Uh, and we will talk to you in two weeks time. And until then, class dismissed. <laughs>